Welcome to Writer Writer Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. We also cover craft, the agent hunt, query trenches, publishing industry, marketing, and more. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com. And make sure to visit the Writer Writer Pants on Fire blog for additional interviews, query critiques, and more at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. For transcription, captioning, or translation services, use rev.com. Convert audio and video to text with humans working side by side with the best speech to text AI. With straightforward pricing, there's no need to guess what your cost might be. Round-the-clock service will get your transcription to you fast. Support and customer service is also available 24-7. Professional freelance transcriptionists, captioners, and translators are vetted for quality. Transcription by a human starts at $1.25 a minute. For an AI draft guaranteed 80% accuracy, $0.25 a minute. Rev.com also offers foreign subtitles and live captioning for Zoom. Check out Rev.com for all of your transcription, captioning, and translation services. Office Suite has a full suite of Office apps, documents, sheets, slides, mail, and PDF. Office Suite is the office pack that gets work done. Office Suites works with Windows, Android, and iOS. A personal plan begins at just $29.99 a year. A family plan for up to six users is $49.99. The home and business option, a one-time purchase of $99.99. Visit officesuite.com to learn more. We're here with Tavi Black, author of Where Are We Tomorrow, which is a novel about four women working backstage on a rock tour, each of them coming to terms with what it means to be a woman in a male-dominated industry, nominated for the Next Generation Indie Awards and the American Fiction Awards. So that is super exciting. And when you reached out to me about being on the podcast, I was immediately interested. So why don't we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to write Where Are We Tomorrow? I kind of think of myself more as an artist than a writer because I've done all kinds of different mm-hmm. arts. but I came to write this particular book because my career has been in event production and I did tour with bands for many years, but my artist's life was always a little bit separate from that. This was a project that I was able to bring both my artist's life and my career into one project. I worked on this particular book for 12 years before I got a publishing contract. I got the idea. Yeah, I know. I got the idea for this book while I was on tour with four women, and that's pretty unusual. I was on the Nora Jones tour, 2003, I think. So I was working with all of these women on tour and started out in the lighting crew on the fish tour back in, I think, 95. I was the only woman for many tours I went on, other than caterers. I would often uh, walk into a venue in the morning and the stagehands that were there 
almost always all men would point to the kitchen and say, kitchen's over there. Mm. Yeah. So obviously you had the background to bring to writing a novel and you also had the experiences of someone who is kind of operating on the fringe as a woman. If you're the only woman for a long time backstage like that, I have no concept of what that is like. I know what it's like in a green room you know, been in spaces with pretty famous people, but it's always been in a fairly diverse background, skin color, culture, but also gender. Can you talk a little bit about how that feels, not necessarily externally, but internally? What was it like for you to be like, okay, I got to walk in there and establish that I'm even allowed to do that? I like that you asked that externally versus internally, because externally, of course, I had to just be there, show up, do the job, do a good job, prove myself just like everybody else did. But internally, I definitely felt so nervous. And my husband often asked me, why did you do that? Why did you feel like you needed to be in that really, in some ways, toxic environment, a place where men definitely let me know that they didn't necessarily want me there. Some did. Obviously, the man who hired me wanted me there. He said, I think it's more civilized when there's a woman around. But internally, there was something that I felt like I had to prove. But the interesting thing about it for women is that there were kind of two ways to go in this business. And I'm not always proud of the way that I went, but there was the sort of go along with the jokes and laugh and everybody kind of gets along with you, which is sort of the way I went. I was like, I want to do well here. I want to have friends here. I'm going to just ignore their misogynistic, (laughs) rude comments. And then there's the other way you could go where you could call them out and say, that's not acceptable. And those women were always known as the bitches. In some ways, I think, well, why wasn't I a bitch? I should have been, but I didn't. That was the choice that I made. And so in some ways, this book is an exploration of the different ways to be female inside of that world. I think that the thing that makes this book different than other novels and memoirs about backstages that you just don't hear about the lives of the people that are making the show happen versus the people that are on stage very often. Yes, absolutely. My cousin is married to a cameraman and he is actually in the world of cameramen rather famous because he's very, very good at what he does. And directors request him and ask for him to be there and have him on his films. But, you know, if I said his name, like, it doesn't matter. No one would know. <laughs> and um, my nephew is, is in high school and he always knew that his cousin was a cameraman, but it never really, you know, mattered. He ended up looking at his Instagram for some reason. And there's all these pictures of him like hanging out with Nicolas Cage yeah. and stuff like that. And he's just like, Oh my God, Aunt Mindy, did you know? And I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> like these, these people are, they're moving and they're making these things happen and they're right. there. You just don't know about them. You don't hear about them. One of the themes of the book is this idea of our addiction to fame. I was a painter for many years. Sometimes I still paint. I feel like people would not be that interested in that. But the minute I said, oh, I work for this famous person, that's so interesting. I'm like, what about my art? What about the thing I'm doing, the writing I'm doing? Why isn't that interesting? It's only that I know this famous person who is just a person, by the way. 
Yeah. I have a friend that lives in Hawaii and she house sits mm-hmm. for, I mean, I won't say their names, but extremely famous people. She's like, that's what people want to talk to me about. I have a whole life. I have right. all these things that I do. I just, this is like babysitting. And that's what people want to talk to me about are these brushes with fame. Yeah. Um, we have a real addiction to it. There's this great book that I really love called Fame Junkies. It's written really? by Jake Halpern, who actually does a podcast as well. It's one of my favorite books, just talking about how addicted to fame we are and what we'll do we to be around it. And as an artist, like I've always pursued an art. I was in a band when I was younger. And it's a funny thing to have this feeling about fame to actually now have to promote myself as a writer. I'm oh, like, yes. what am I looking for? Fame? Well, I want people to read my book. I want to talk about the book, but do I want to be famous? No, it looks awful. It is difficult. I agree. Um, so the nice thing about being a writer is that being famous as a writer usually means you can still walk down the street and no one knows what you actually look like. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you have how many books out there? And I bet people don't know you when you... I have quite a few. I have like 12, 13 books out there. And no, most of the time I can walk around completely anonymous and it doesn't matter. I have been recognized on the street. I mean, it is cool and I actually like it. But generally, people that are readers, I think that fan base is a little less toxic and a little more empathetic and understanding than like movie or music fans. Yes, yes. I could be giving readers more credit than they deserve, but I think that that's true. And often you don't know what an author looks like anyway. You know, that's a really good point. And I personally, I, I go back and forth because it's like I am very open and I talk about my life. And I talk about all different kinds of elements of my life. Um, I talk about mental health very openly, Mm -hmm. because I write for teenagers. And I think it's important for me to talk about these things. But there are things about my life that are really, really basic information that no one has. I don't talk about those things. There was an event where they were looking for information from every uh, author and they just kind of like had a grid where they were just filling in information about everyone. They were like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Ohio. And they're like, where in Ohio? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) Because if I say the name of the tiny, tiny town where I'm from, you've got me within like a five mile radius. My Instagram is not me. It's books, it's cats, it's my dogs. It's not me. It's not my face. I don't put myself in front of the camera that often. It's not that I'm uncomfortable with it. I'm not comfortable selling my face. Yes, that's how I feel. My God, I'm just like, you don't want to look at me. That's not what this is about. I'll sell you my books and I'll talk to you about my books all day, but you're not buying me. I struggle with that as well. And that's not the culture that we have right now. I have a young daughter and I don't let her on social media. She's 11. I've never put her face anywhere, but other people have. So how do I protect her from this? I'm not sure. Yeah. People are scary. That's how I feel about that. (laughs) You know, with it being scary, I just sometimes feel like maybe that's why I had to do this work that was so tough. I'm such a sensitive, artistic soul. I think I needed to do some work that would really toughen me up. You wouldn't even get 
a nap on tour. You would get done at 2 a.m. loading out, take a shower in the locker room, get on the bus, get up and load in at 8 a.m. That's a crazy lifestyle even. And I assume very little privacy. None. To roll out of a bunk and have, honestly, some guys that you just wouldn't ever want to see you in your pajamas, like right there in your face in the hallway of the bus. It was not easy. No, I can't even imagine. I need my privacy and I need my alone time. I imagine you do too. Yeah, (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I don't get much of it. (laughs) Create beautiful books with Vellum. Create eBooks for every platform with Vellum. Kindle, Kobo, Apple Books, and more. Each specialized file will guide readers to buy your next book in their store of choice. For print, choose your trim size and Vellum does the rest, giving you a professional result. Vellum 3.0 features 24 styles with 16 all-new designs. Each one allows for multiple configurations, giving you a new world of options for your books. Add a rich background behind the beginning of every chapter. You can even set the mood with white text on a dark background. Vellum comes with six illustrated backgrounds ready to use in your book, as well as a custom option where you provide your own. Also included in Vellum 3.0, new options for fonts, TikTok for social media, size control for custom ornamental breaks, and new trim sizes for your print books. Vellum, create beautiful books. Whether you've written a novel, memoir, poetry, nonfiction, young adult, or children's book, you need a website to promote your work of art. PubSite is here to make that easy. PubSite allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking, professional website. This easy-to-use DIY website builder was developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 50, PubSite gives you the tools to build, design, and update your website pain-free. Build your website with a 14-day free trial or hire PubSite to set up the website for you. Authors like Tom Clancy, Robin Cook, Janet Daly, and hundreds more use PubSite. Visit PubSite.com to get started today. That's P-U-B hyphen S-I-T-E dot com. You said before that you had toyed with and developed your craft in different areas of art you were painting and you were also in a band yourself. Mm-hmm. So you took this route of being a roadie and doing this work. What made you say, I think I want to try writing? Well, I always secretly wanted to be a writer when I was probably in a high school or even at seven, I was writing stories, but I got discouraged really young by a couple of people. One was a friend who just said, oh, you better stick to painting after I'd written my first play. <laughs> and, oh. um, and then another was a tutor in high school who just was like, you're awful, basically. <laughs> you shouldn't even bother. I feel like, wow, if I could ever go back, I would just talk to myself and say, don't listen to those people. They're just 
haters. So I secretly wrote, I wrote in journals, I wrote songs. Finally, the other art forms just weren't very portable for touring. Mm -hmm. I was pretty old when I decided I'm going to actually write. It must have been about 35. I got a cabin in the Keys by myself and I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit in there for five days. And if I don't come out with 50 pages, I'm not a writer. So I went and I did that and I wrote the first 50 pages of a a novel, of course, that I never finished. It got me started. And so I just started writing. I'm like, I'm going to write a novel. And then, of course, I realized quickly that I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I took a class at the UW here in Washington. And then I decided, oh, I need to go back to school because I've always loved school. And so I went back and got my MFA. I I felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be the oldest person. When I stepped onto the campus, one of the people in the registrar's office was uh, somebody who had just gotten out of undergrad. And she looked at me and she was going in the program. She said, oh, are you one of the professors? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But you can write at any age. It doesn't matter. Of course you can. I think it's interesting that you had those experiences of negativity early on. I mean, I can tell you, I finished my first novel when I was in college. So I was like Mm. 19, 20 years old. And it was really, really bad. And I've (laughs) talked about this before. It's not false modesty. It's not, no, tell me it was beautiful. No, it was really bad. And that's okay. No one is an amazing writer when they are 15, 16, 17 years old. You have to give yourself that grace and that space to grow and improve. And I think way too often there are those people in young writers' lives, whoever they are, and even if they think that they're positively motivated by saying, Mm -hmm. you know, don't waste your time, you don't know what you could be discouraging there. Everyone has to have that space to bloom and grow. That's okay. I'm here and everything teaches us something. Obstacles are good. It really just shows that. I did actually want to be a writer if I kept going after all that and finally did it. And of course, as soon as I got into grad school, it was the first place in my life, honestly, that I ever felt like, oh, I belong here. This is what I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing. Just took a long time Mm -hmm. to sort of sort that out. Some of us are late bloomers and I've come to terms with that. Obstacles are good. I like that statement. And I think that that probably... Uh, can be applied pretty easily to the publishing industry. So let's talk about how you moved from writing to that process of becoming published. What was your course? You had an MFA, you wrote your book. What was that path? It is so long and winding, like so many writers. And as I was coming along, love to hear these stories. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, I worked on for that one novel for 12 years. But of course, there are other novels. The first story I got accepted into a literary magazine. I was so excited about it. I was just out of school. I got a call on my birthday that said, actually, we're not going to publish it. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, no. I know. I was like, you're kidding. Like the first one I got accepted, the and the woman was like, you know, the editor just cut yours and I'm so mad about it and I'm sorry. And so there's that. And then and I got second place in a contest. I got the check and the check bounced. I was like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Oh my God. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. So this is sort of the way that it's gone. And I've 
tried over the years to get agents and I've had a lot of agents interested who all at the last minute said, actually, I think maybe not. Okay, what's next? And sort of strategize. And after chasing agents for a long time, I finally just said, I'm going to go straight to a small press and see. I was fortunate that Touchpoint Press has been really supportive of this book and they accepted it. They wanted to see some changes. As a writer, you have to be willing to hear this isn't good enough yet. You have to be willing to dig in, tear it apart again. This book has gone from first person to third person. It was past tense, then present tense, then past tense again. Now Touchpoint is going to publish my second book as well, which was actually what I started working on in my MFA program. That's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about that second book. The second book is completely different. It's a historical novel that is set on the coast of Maine in 1913 with a woman who is a maid on the estate. Well, she's 17 and the state owners and the servants' lives get entangled and there's a jewel heist. This one's more plot driven. It's kind of fun. Going the route of having an independent publisher gives you that freedom. I mean, I'm lucky I get to hop around I write across various genres. I don't know why my publisher allows me to do this, but (laughs) I think it might partially be because I've never like really hit really big with any one genre. So they're never Mm. like controlling me quite, but I love that you are just writing so widely and so diversely. I'm just interested in a lot of things. And now I'm working on middle grade. My daughter and I started working on it when the pandemic hit just as a school project, sort of like, let's do some writing. And we've just had so much fun and now we're writing a series. I love that. I think that that is beautiful. Middle grade is not something I would ever be able to write. Why? And I just say that as far as my voice, my voice is pretty, mm. it's dark. My interests are pretty rough. Um, and that's yeah. not to say that middle grade doesn't pack a punch. It certainly does. I don't have the wide-eyed wonder this is necessary. <laughs> I, I'm more acerbic. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have done it without my daughter, but she is just mm-hmm. so full of ideas. She's just an idea gal and she just throws them at me and we work it out and it's been fun in that way. I don't know that I would have done it by myself, but now that I'm into this world, I'm really into this world. So that's really cool. It's good. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think too, speaking of going directly to the publisher, I'm a proponent of agents. Like I'll just say that up front. Yeah. But I know a lot of authors because I have one foot in both worlds. I right. self-publish under a pen name and I also write my publisher in the trad pub world is HarperCollins. I do both and I love both. Like there are pros and cons to both and straddling them has been super fun and I really enjoy it after having the experiences that I've had in the indie world have really come to understand the attraction of absolutely and totally being your own person like all the time, which my agent doesn't like tell me what to write or anything like that. There are pros and cons Mm -hmm. to being absolutely and completely your own person and, and handling everything yourself. But yeah. there's also the fact that you are literally doing everything yourself. It's true. I mean, if I'm being honest, I would love to have an agent. I really could use a partner navigating all of this in because I do all day long now. What I do is send out queries, try to do marketing. To have somebody to sort of grow with would be really excellent. I haven't given up on that idea. I have to move on. I have to be able to somehow 
publish my books. Touchpoint's been amazing in that I can reach out to them and I can talk to them. That's a real advantage of working with them to sort of strategize and figure out the next steps in uh, getting the book out there. It's a big, wide world of publishing. I mean, I really feel like I've taken a crash course in the last couple of years or maybe the last 10 years. How does publishing work? (laughs) (laughs) Or does publishing work? Sometimes it feels like the question. (laughs) So when I first started trying to get into the publishing world back in like 2005, Mm. self-publishing was like a dirty word self-publishing really was only for people that couldn't make it for the most part production was sloppy there just simply weren't the resources there that there are Mm -hmm. now and now like i said i participate in it i self-publish under a pen name and i am proud of what i produce under that name it's not my brand like it goes against my brand as mindy mcginnis Mm -hmm. but it's stories that I have in me. It's fun. It's loopy. It's silly. It's stuff that I can get out and still be producing rather than just writing one book a year. Well, but the thing is you have the advantage of knowing what you know now. Like I think with self-publishing, the danger is that you're going to put out something that's not ready. The good thing is that there are gatekeepers that I'm so glad I didn't publish the draft of the book that I had six years ago. It's a much better book now. And I think that if you're a first time author, maybe it's not a good idea to self-publish because you need those gatekeepers. It's it's better to keep going and get the book that you want and it should be out there. But you've got the advantage of like, you know, what's a good book at this point. You've done this. You've got a lot of books out there. You can self-publish because you're not going to put out something that's not up to your quality. Right. That is a really, really good point. And I have thought about that myself many, many times because I was trying for 10 years to get an agent. It took me 10 years and five novels. And I wanted to quit so many times and I wanted to self-publish. And I am so glad I didn't because then there would be very, very subpar books out there with my name on them. Exactly. And you can't can't take them back now. (laughs) No. No, there are people out there with them on their Kindles. And I I would be like so embarrassed. I would be so embarrassed if that was the case because what I was producing early on, I wasn't doing a good job. You said earlier, you got to be able to process the feedback and the criticism and improve. And I wasn't doing that. Like I very Mm -hmm. much in my early stages was like, no, I'm a genius and you will respect my work. (laughs) I was 19. Right. (laughs) Last thing, let listeners know where they can find you online and where they can find your book. Where are we tomorrow? So I have a website. It's just TaviBlack.com or TaviTaylorBlack.com. My book is published under Tavi Taylor Black. And I also have a podcast myself. It's called The Personal Element that I co-host with another writer. And we take personal essays that we really like and we have the author read them and then we talk about what we like about the essay. That is super cool because essays are an art form that are underappreciated. They are. And I honestly was not somebody who I've written some, but I've never published personal essays. It's mostly just short stories and things like that. But my friend, uh, Christine Young, who's a writer, uh, does personal essays. We have seven episodes out there, but it turns out that I love it. And I guess, you know, you've been doing it for a long time. It's actually quite fun to do a podcast. 
I love doing it. I love meeting people and talking to them. And like after my conversations, I'm always energized and interested in something new. And like you never know what's going to open up for you. And so you can find that podcast, The Personal Element, um, anywhere that you get your podcasts or personalelementpodcast.com, or there's a link from my website as well and my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Vellum, it just works. Best-selling indie author Alex Lydell, whose book Enemy Contact, an enemies to lovers romantic suspense, hit number 25 in the Amazon paid Kindle store, has this to say about Vellum. There are always a ton of hangups in the publishing process, from the printer running out of ink at just the wrong moment to Amazon rejecting margins. But Vellum has been one program I can depend on. It formats my manuscripts quickly, professionally, and most importantly, in a way that never gets rejected by any online retailers. Visit www.trivellum.com forward slash pants to learn more. That's trivellum.com forward slash pants. Vellum. It just works. Writer Writer Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. Don't forget to check out the blog for additional interviews, writing advice, and publication tips at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. If the blog or podcast have been helpful to you, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating. Visit writerwriterpantsonfire.com and click support the blog and podcast in the sidebar. <laughs>